wonder how hard it would be for me to get either Emin Jackson or ZC and Liz to come on to our show. I don't know. They're all four so much more jaded than us. Yeah. <laughs> I also don't know if I like any of the four actually like a, like Steven Universe. I mean, worst you can do is ask them and they say, fuck you. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like they're that mean. They'd be like, no, we're not interested. And I'd be like, they hate me. They think I'm some kind of poser. But that wouldn't be on them. To gay Christ. space rocks, huh? I said Jesus Christ. <laughs> I started across my room. I heard. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Gay Space Rocks, a Steven Universe watching podcast where we watch Steven Universe. Um, I am your host, Brian. You can find me on the internet at Roomware Pod. You can find the podcast on the internet at Gay Space Pod. With me, as always, is my ambidextrous host august that's a lie i am only right-handed but hello i'm august i waved at the microphone because that's who i am as a person i use they them pronouns and you can find me on twitter at harpy dora embrace it um do we have any news hey what's the what's the uh status of shipping on that game um i actually received it i haven't opened it yet but the box is very pretty Oh, you got some. You got to post pictures so we can post to the the Twitter. Yeah, I will actually. Um, but yeah, the box art is very pretty. Um, it surprised the fuck out of me because if they sent me a tracking number, I deleted it, so I forgot it existed. <laughs> uh, my DVD box set is still not been shipped. Oh no! <laughs> this is a, seemed to just be a common problem because I kind of checked the Reddit to see if anyone else was having the same issue. Mm-hmm. And it just seems to be the same thing, which sucks because I want to get that like a the the box looks like the the because like it try like it folds out for every season or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks real pretty, and also I want them commentaries. <laughs> um, I don't know how many there are. I'm just real interested to see how much like because there can't be a commentary on every fucking episode. Um, because that's a lot of commentaries to record, you know. Yeah. So I'm sure, like, big episodes have commentaries or something. I don't know. So, anyways, uh, August, have you watched any cartoons? Uh, don't think so. As I look over at Anya, um, no, I don't. I I, I don't know. (laughs) Have Have we watched any cartoons? Cartoons being a very broad definition of media. Oh, I did show Anya Megamind. That's right. Uh, oh, that's definitely a cartoon. Yes, I did show Anya Megamind, um, and it still holds up really well, all things considered. Um, yeah, we didn't we watch Megamind like near the beginning of the pandemic. We had like a viewing party for Megamind. Uh, yes, but I wasn't able to show up for some reason. Ah, okay, okay. 
Yeah. Like I voted yeah, for it and then couldn't watch it. Right. Yeah, it's a good it's a good ass movie. Like yeah. it tells a very good story. Um I think Jonah Hill is a very good casting for the bad guy character. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. Um honestly like Colin Farrell is 50-50 whether I'm going to be annoyed with him or not, but he was really good in this too. So Col- Colin Farrell? You mean Will Farrell? Will, Will Farrell. No, <laughs> Colin Farrell is completely different. Yeah. Will Farrell. <sighs> <laughs> Will Farrell usually brings it pretty good on like kid stuff or like voice acting work. He usually does a real fairly good job. Mm. Uh, it's like his adult humor stuff is usually 50-50 just because like a lot of it relies so heavily on improv. Yeah. Have you ever seen the uh, version of Waiting for Godot that's like uh, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley? Huh. I feel like I would remember if I had because that sounds it's, like a lot. Uh, it's not a movie. It's like a it was like a Broadway production, uh, Brian, but it's it's pretty good. Do I look like the kind of bitch who goes to Broadway? No one goes to Broadway. I steal Broadway shows off of Pornhub like everybody the fuck else. <laughs> Fair. Um, but yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, what have I watched? Been watching Gundam. More Gundam. Gundam X continues to be pretty good. Good. Yeah. Um, surprisingly good. Uh, what else have I... I bought a Switch. Is that a, is that a cartoon... <laughs> Oh, you did buy a Switch? I bought a Switch Lite, yes. Bought it from Shannon. Oh. Man, um, so Shannon was getting rid of her Switch Lite, and we went to this place locally. It's like a you know, local nerdy hobby whatever store, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, we walk in, and the guy behind the counter is like, hey, what are, what are you here to do? And there's somebody else at the counter. And so, you know, Shannon's like, oh, I'm here to sell the here Switch Lite. He's like, oh, well, I'm not really interested in buying it. The last one I had sat around for like six. It's like real dismissive of it at that point, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting here, the person who used to run a store like this, losing my mind. Because <laughs> like, he's rude. He's dismissive. Then he tries to make the hard sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, like trying to be like, well, how much do you want for it? And she only wanted like a hundred bucks for it. These motherfuckers are selling at GameStop for one seventy nine. Even if you got into it at a hundred dollars and marked it up to one fifty, you're still doing okay when it comes to used equipment. Yeah. Um, and he's like, well, I don't really like uh the the owner can't really like the owner has to be here to uh to uh, authorize it, and she won't be back till Monday. And we're like. Lisa probably did not tell you to do that. Also, we know the owner of this place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, you don't have $100 in the cash register, motherfucker? <laughs> I was so incensed that I bought it. Oh, my goodness. So Shannon's not interested in Switch things anymore? It would seem. Well, Daniel hardly plays his Switch now that he's got his PC and his VR. Ah. Yeah. Gotta use the- Steal your children's toys. Oh, my God. <sighs> All right. Um, I think that's it. Uh, New Year went pretty good. Do you have a good holiday? Did your holidays go good? Overall, yeah. Um, 
the only problem is we have a dog and she's a shithead. <laughs> she being a shithead currently? Yes. Nice. Uh, and she was a shithead on New Year's. But <laughs> otherwise, they were great. How about you? Ah, not bad. Can't complain too much. Um, the We were supposed to have a guest this week. We weren't able to. Uh, things did not work out well. We've rescheduled. They're going to come to us. Not next episode, but the episode after that. So we'll have a guest. We're gonna be we're moving towards season two. Our current plan is to take a, a, a like a one episode kind of breather from Steven Universe between seasons. Um, I don't like. Do you have we a hundred? Have we a hundred percent decided on what we're gonna do? Yeah, I thought we were gonna do um, the Adventure Time thing. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna do Obsidian. The Adventure Time special. It's available on HBO Max or other places on the internet. You know, other places. So, uh, it's good. Uh, should be fun. Uh, it's longer than what we usually, we usually review 30 minutes of content and it's close to 45 minutes. So, uh, so I guess strap in for an extra long episode, maybe. I don't know. Um... But that should be fun. Then we'll be moving into season two. Hopefully we'll have some cool guests. We're going to try and line up some cool guests for season two. Um, hell yeah. Alrighty. Uh, let's go ahead and get into it. This week we are covering episodes 40, 41, and 42 on the run Horror Club and Winter Forecast. Uh, first up is On the Run. Uh, it was written and storyboarded by Joe Johnston and Jeff Liu. Um, it apparently premiered, um, doesn't say, February 5th, 2015, uh, which is weird. You f It feels like, this is a weird quibble I'm going to go off on, um, but it feels like Horror Club was maybe supposed to be a Halloween special and then like the scheduling got messed up. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, I, I might look through the Wikipedia article and see if there's any more, if there, there's information about that. Um, but yeah, we'll, uh, we shall see. Oh my god, the synopsis is terrible. Oh boy, okay. Official synopsis. Stephen Amethyst try out life on the road. Uh... <laughs> Uh, that's, not, that's not true at all. <laughs> I mean, in a broad sense, I guess they like ran away from home. Like, uh, uh no, any. Yeah. Anyways, Stephen is reading a book. He's reading the go home, like the no home, not the go home boys, the no home <laughs> boys. Um, in his house, when the gyms arrive, carrying a whole bunch of the uh, flask robinoids. Uh, the little robots that Peridot was running around with back on Warp Tour. Uh, Steven asks what they're doing with all of those, and Pearl tells him that they're trying to analyze the Robinoids and trying to make sure that they can't reactivate and fix the uh, Homeworld Warp uh, and allow the Homeworld Gems to come back to Earth. Steven asks what the Homeworld Gems want to do with Earth. Uh, Pearl is cagey about it and then eventually kind of gives it up a little bit saying that a long time ago that the gems were doing something terrible to the world that damaged the earth uh, in that she and the other gems like her, his mom and Garnet 
felt that this was unfair and they stood up to him all the while Amethyst has kind of like wandered off and she's off by herself and looking kind of hurt and ashamed by this. Uh, and uh, Pearl explains that like this is the reason why like she and Garnet can never go back home. And Steven exclaims they're exactly like the no home boys, explains the no home boys. I guess they're like the hardy boys, right? Is that the... Is that what the uh, literary analog is here? It may be. It may be like the Hardy Boys crossed with the Boxcar Children. Yeah, or like Huck Finn. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of living. It's living in that space. Uh, they're no homeboys. They're boys who ain't got no home. They travel around. They solve. Uh, they solve mysteries. Pearl's like, that's ridiculous. We're literally standing in your home right now. We have a home. It's right here. We're in it. Um. Amethyst and Steven then decide that uh, they don't want to be home right now. Uh, Amethyst is like, yeah, that sounds pretty like when Steven is explaining the no home boys living out, you know, hopping boxcars, living out under the stars. Amethyst is like, that's pretty cool. Hey, let's do it. because She has no impulse control. Uh, <laughs> and then they uh, decide to go and do so. Uh, a song plays as they collect their stuff into like little bindles and they get picked up by the cool kids and driven out of town and they jump onto a train. Um, and it's this whole little montage. Uh, Amethyst sings a sad part about not being understood. Uh, once the song ends, uh, Amethyst and Steven are sitting on the train car. Steven undoes his bindle, and uh, I make a special appearance in this episode mm -hmm. where I attack Steven, and I take his bagel, and it's fucking delicious and worth it. Um, and <laughs> Steven is hungry. He goes to lay down on the hay. The hay is real scratchy. He gets covered up in hay, and then immediately decides, like, ah, nope, I'm done with this. And he's like, uh, Amethyst, I'm ready to go home. Amethyst is like, I'm not. And he's like, come on, they're worried about us. We need to go home. She's like, that's not my home. He's like, oh, yeah, you're from Homeworld. And Amethyst is like, no, I'm not from Homeworld. He's like, oh, well, then where are you from? She's like, you want to see it? And then Amethyst takes Stephen to the kindergarten. Um, the kindergarten is this, like, big valley full of these tall, spire-shaped uh, gym technology uh, it's very desolate here. The The whole color palette shifts when they enter the kindergarten. Um, Amethyst is throwing, showing Stephen around when she has just been formed. There, She shows him all the various rocks that she apparently made friends with and then shows Stephen her hole, the hole that she emerged out of. Uh, we get some Junji Ito vibes hard right here um, as Amethyst slurps into her hole. Um, and Stephen realizes it's not just Amethyst. There's hundreds of other person-shaped, gym-shaped holes here. Um, while Amethyst explained to this, Pearl shows up um, and starts admonishing Amethyst for bringing Steven here. Uh, Amethyst starts pushing back, uh, being like, what, are you afraid he's going to learn about our dark secret about this bad place? Uh, the argument between Pearl and Amethyst reaches a crescendo when Amethyst attacks Pearl. The two begin fighting. Steven is very upset. Um, the battle rages, uh, for the most part, uh, Amethyst and Pearl just going full fucking force at each other. Um, Amethyst revealing that, like, she feels hurt about her, or feels ashamed about this place. Um, finally, after knocking Pearl into one of the gym 
pieces of technology that had been damaged earlier. It falls down. Steven bubbles around him and Pearl, but Amethyst was not close enough to get caught in the bubble, but she runs away unharmed. Uh, Steven follows her into her hole where uh, he tries to comfort her, but it doesn't work out uh, all that well. And so he goes to get Pearl, who knows more about this situation. Uh, Amethyst is uh, ashamed of where she's come from. Pearl reassures her like, oh, I'm sorry, I never meant to make you feel that way. Uh, you're the only good thing that ever came out of this place. They emerge from the hole. Amethyst and Pearl hug. Uh, we we warp back to uh, to the temple, and then we have a lingering shot on the kindergarten, revealing not just hundreds of more holes, but maybe thousands of more person-shaped holes. Star wipe the end. So, uh... Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. So my first note here is, have you noticed, you noticed uh, Steven's reading now because he's still grounded from TV? Yes. <laughs> yes. Continuity. It's very good. Um, Which, you know, that does lend credence to the concept that maybe Horror Club was uh, meant to be aired somewhere else just because Steven's not supposed to be watching TV. Right. I mean, it's true. He, why would he, he wouldn't be able to go to movie night. That makes sense. You know, you've got a really good point there. I didn't think about that. Hmm. Cause he's too good a boy to, to try to watch TV someone else's house. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe he asked permission to go to a party and maybe he's thinking TV is different from movies. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. Um, so, I want to know what your takes are on, like, Pearl and Garnet being real, real cagey about, like, not telling Steven the full story here. Well, okay, so, like, I think part of it really feels to me like they don't want Steven to necessarily have to come to grips with the idea of the gem war. Like, they don't want him to have to worry about it because that was theoretically something that was in his past or in their past and not something that he would have to worry about as a human on a planet cut off from the home world, you know? Right. But, I mean, I don't know. It seems weird. Like, it seems like I don't know if they're necessarily at disagreement here because, like, there's, ep like, things in... um the uh, what's the last episode um winter forecast there's things in winter forecast here that suggest to me that like garnet and pearl are not on the same page here about letting like about what information is being revealed to steven because i feel mm -hmm. like pearl is trying to keep more stuff from steven than gar like i feel like garnet's more in the camp of letting steven know about things yeah i don't but know but i don't know like I guess uh, once it, once Pearl started having a panic attack, I was more focused on like just Pearl in general this episode. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, it, you're right. Garnet really has been more in the camp of let's tell Steven things that are theoretically age appropriate kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. yeah. Well, and also it's not like, you know, I think Garnet's more in the camp of like, well, this is no longer this is no longer going to be Steven's past, you know. 
Yeah. So, I don't know. That's just my my take on it. Um, I'm just happy the juicy, juicy lore is here. The lore. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so good. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we get lore and new powers. So many things this week. It's uh, good. The... <laughs> I love Pearl, Steven being like, we're exactly like the no home boys. And then Pearl being like, no, we're not. You, you've yeah. got a home. We're in yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I, I literally wrote, yes, Steven, this is exactly what the gyms are like. And then in parentheses, LMAO, glad Pearl said what I was thinking. Because <laughs> like I typed it before J- uh, Pearl said that. So Nice. <laughs> it was... Uh, very good. I'm. I love Pearl so much. Um, I love how this continues, like Amethyst's like kind of big sisterly relationship with Stephen, with the way that she keeps egging him on and enabling him, mm-hmm. or using um, him to enable her. I feel like it's her. Well, enabling him to enable herself. Yeah, I I made a note about that later. Um mm-hmm. that uh was like, yeah, this is definitely uh just a convenient excuse for her to work out her issues. But um at the time it's like, aw, Amethyst's being cute. Right. Um <laughs> like no, it's just like, aw, Amethyst is being cute five minutes later. Oh no, Amethyst is being sad. Yeah, <laughs> except then it turns out Amethyst has always been sad her entire fucking life. Thanks. Fucking mood. Thanks, Rebecca. <laughs> Why you gotta make us feel shit, Rebecca? God. Uh, this No Homeboy song is very good. Yes, the song the song is catchy and cute as fuck. I feel like uh, Amethyst doesn't get quite as many songs as Pearl and Garnet over the course of the series, but her songs are very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is... If it, if they're anything like this, then I agree. They are very good songs. Um, I wanted to be noted that, yes, I took Stephen's bagel. Yes, it tasted good. And no, I don't regret anything. I said, hey, Brian, that's not how you treat a little kid. <laughs> Fuck him. Survival of the fittest. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought you Listen, liked Steven. I do like Steven, but when we're out on when we're we're hopping trains, it's rules of nature. Oh my god. Um <laughs> So yeah, those those I can't uh, I can't believe I forgot that there's a raccoon in this series and I did not use as the reference for my character for our, our logo. Yeah. <laughs> So those spires looking like viruses are totally not like a colonialism metaphor. No, they couldn't no. possibly be. I had uh, one note before that um, that was, uh, I love I love the slow build to Steven just being like, all right, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> it was very good. It was I very good. I just wanted good. to notate it because it was hilarious. Like, just like the deadpan, like, all right, I'm ready to go home now. <laughs> I didn't realize all of this was going to suck. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the the so so would you would you like to know the name of those devices? Sure. It is 
a mild spoiler, but you've probably already figured out what's happening in the in the kindergarten. I mean, uh, I'm based on the fact that they uh, look like uh, viruses and that gems come out of the holes in the earth. They're probably implanting gem code into the ground to grow new gems. Yeah, they're called injectors. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, kindergarten is where they grow new gems. Yeah, like, if you know, if I just, I remember, like, a, a specific diagram of a virus from, like, high school biology, and it looks exactly like those, those doodads, so, yeah. It's like a bacteriophage. Yo, it is! Yeah. Yo! Yeah. I didn't realize that. Aw, shit, that's so and smart. What what they do, what bacteriophages do, if I'm remembering high school bio, uh, biology from when I was 16 correctly, um, basically what they do is they, like, inject into a bacteria their own genetic material that takes over the cell and forces the cell to start producing the virus genetic material. And then as the virus genetic material gets produced, it, like like builds up in the cell and then the cell explodes releasing Whoa. all of the little new bacteriophages that's and so it's wild like, it's it's really cool but also really upsetting yeah and it's, it's wild that they like they basically one for one copied that mm-hmm. oh that's so fucking smart uh good fucking round of applause for steven universe uh, that's so fucking smart. That's really good. I love that, actually. <laughs> I mean, it's bad, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that's why I am not surprised that they're called injectors, and why I think it's a colonialism allegory. Yeah, well, you're not wrong. <laughs> um, so, uh, fucking, I think, it's part of a colon. I think it's partly a colonialism or allegory. I think at this point in the story, they kind of knew where they wanted to go, but they didn't know exactly where they wanted to go because mm-hmm. I think it's because I think the overall story of Steven universe is less about like really high concepts like colonialism and more like bring reining that into like interpersonal relationships, like the toxic relationship people have with the people in their lives that's and fair. How, how people can become like interdependent on each other and then the problems that come come with that. Um, though I think the metaphor will still work. It just it gets a little muddy because like I think it's season one. They you know, there's five yeah. seasons of the show. You're you're you know, you're throwing a rock and trying to hit you're trying to hit a target a mile away, you know. Mm-hmm. Um let's see. Um I love Amethyst, like, Amethyst showing Stephen the Kindergarten really has, like, showing off your shitty small ta- small hometown vibes to your friends. Like, yeah, yeah this, oh, uh, I think it's that thing, it's like that thing that Izzy posted the other day in the Discord of, like, showing people around Knoxville, like, specifically the UT campus, like, that's the building I cried in, I never spent any time sober in this part of town, like. Yeah, and then the way that her cheer is directly contrast to the incredibly desaturated color palette and the spooky music, like, 
we know that this is fucked up. Whatever happened here is fucked up. Yeah, they're not trying to play anything close to the vest. They're like, this place is a bad place. Like, Amethyst isn't bad for coming from here, but this place is bad. Yeah. Um... Oh, oh, okay. We're about to talk about the holes, correct? Uh-huh. Okay. I have in my notes, in capital letters I wrote with a pen, it says, new game. Bum, bum, ba bum, 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 bum. New game. It's called Filling Your Hole. Uh, <laughs> every time the kindergarten pops up, because this isn't the last time we'll be at the kindergarten, you've got to pick out which hole's your hole. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I just don't like the sexual <laughs> connotations of the name of the game because honestly, like, I love the concept of every time kindergarten pops up pointing to a different person-shaped thing in the ground and going, this is my hole, it was made for me! Or making distressing dur 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 noises. <laughs> August, there's literally no way I can name this game without I know. it sounding sexual. <laughs> I know. That's the worst Sorry, I just part had to lead in. It's a good game, though. It's such a good game because, oh my god, such oh such Amigara fault vibes. I fucking love it. You know, you know they are going for it, right? Like uh, they read no. anime, they read manga. Th- but here's the thing: when did Amigara fault come out? Um, Amigara fault. Who's touching your mic? Feb- uh, that is a little bit touching my desk. Mm. Um, the Enigma of uh, Amigara Fault was delayed until February 15th, 2012. Okay, so yes. Oh, this yeah, have way been, before this. Yeah, this, yeah. this could have easily been an Ito reference, and oh my god. Actually, by the time when they were doing storyboards and stuff, this would have been, it would have been relatively fresh. Yeah. Because they were probably doing storyboards and stuff in 2013. Because the show premiered in 2014. Mm-hmm. But, obvious, like, there's no way that these fucking weeboos that make this show... Oh, yeah. <laughs> ...are not pulling from fucking Amigara Fault. Uh, in into oh. great effect, too. Because, like, it's incredibly unsettling. Yes, it's so unsettling. Um, God, I kind of want to know more about like the other gems that may have emerged from those holes and like what that I've has, got good news for effect- you August good it because takes I want a, to it, know yeah. it, I it, want to know what effect it has on their psyche because <laughs> we know well okay sorry I keep interrupting you yeah no worries so we're going to primarily we're going to meet a, a, a primary character who comes from a kindergarten, mm-hmm. not specifically this kindergarten, but a kindergarten. Um, cause obviously this isn't the only one on earth. They had a yeah. whole war. Um, but it takes a few seasons, but we will meet the other gems that came from specifically this kindergarten. Huh? Okay. So, um, although I do kind of wonder because Amigara fault is, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's a thinly veiled, like, addiction metaphor, but, like, there's definitely an addiction metaphor in there, and I kind of wonder if that's anything that, 
you know, is going to be vaguely referenced or not because addiction is something that can get referenced in children's cartoons. I think uh, they're using they, – I think they're latching on to – The aesthetic. The aesthetic and they're using this they, – they decidedly use the idea of the kindergartens going forward as like a metaphor for the uh, for a person's upbringing. Okay. Yeah. So because we're going to see that in the other character that kind of comes from a kindergarten. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Um, I cannot believe – I cannot believe – that they were able to get the line, that good hole smell. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Like, oh my god. Uh-huh. How did you do this? Uh. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. It's so good. <laughs> I mean, terrible, but great. It's It sure is something, huh? It really, really is. Um, I do love seeing uh, Stephen being the most emotional, mature, emotionally mature person in the room. True, yeah. Uh, Stephen um, continues. Stephen taking his responsibilities as the one who has to like protect the group very uh, seriously. Um, and I honestly really enjoyed watching Pearl and Amethyst fight because this has been like the tension since the entire beginning of the season uh fucking this this is fucking champo betraying gargano here baby it's so good um like this fight is legit real fucking good like choreographed well sense of place as well they're telling a story with it not just emotionally but like in the space uh like, it's a really good-ass fucking fight scene. It's so good. And, like, it... I mean, okay, I like it from a narrative standpoint, but it doesn't feel good. Like, no. this feels bad. It feels really bad, which is what makes it so good. And it's, like, this weird kind of catharsis where it's, like, you know that this is... It's a bad thing that this is happening, but it's also a relief that it's happening. Like, finally, th- this is finally happening. Because these two have been, like, close to coming to blow so many times already throughout the series. Yeah, it's... Uh, this is such and just, a good like, fight. The fact that, like, it's just a fight to... F- like, it's, it's made very clear that it's just a fight to fight. Amethyst doesn't give a fuck about winning. She just needs to do something with all of these feelings in her. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Just hitting, just coming fucking for your throat, this show is. Yep. My next note is, I never asked to be made. Wow, what a fucking mood. I know, right? God, just, like, putting that line all the way, like, being able to, like, like, this feeling of like responsibility and pain that comes along with like your upbringing and being able to just put it out like being able to like use the fact that your characters are quote unquote like aliens or whatever to make to be able to sell those lines without like people coming in and being like oh this is a little bit too heavy for kids you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like masterful use of your fucking medium yeah and that's also like Okay, so this is probably just me projecting, but also, like, feels vaguely further 
fodder to my amethyst is uh, non-binary, but not in the way that other gems are non-binary women Mm -hmm. uh, pile. uh, Just because it's just like, you know, not asking to be made in a particular way is a serious dysphoria mood. Right. So this is my further non-binary slash trans amethyst headcanon hour. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. And then they end the whole thing with this, like, like Stephen not being able to get Amethyst into the bubble. Mm-hmm. Ugh. For a moment there, I was worried that she'd, like, run away and gotten herself poofed. And it's like, ugh, oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, thankfully, we're not going to hurt Stephen that. that. Yeah, we're not going to hurt Stephen that bad yet. <laughs> yet. I mean, we already we already got uh, Pearl poofed because of Steven's uh, irresponsibility, so... I mean, technically, know. Amethyst has already been poofed as well this season. She had yeah. the whole gym crack thing. That That's not being poofed, though. Mm, that's true. She didn't get poofed, per se, so... Um... Um, let's see... Uh, hell yeah, I wrote, hell yeah, this shitty home life metaphor is very good. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. My next note is in all caps. Jesus Christ, Pearl, how bad can you be at people? Extremely. Pearl levels of bad at people. Oh, God. It's so bad. I love her. She's so messy. In... I think I know that I think when she's referring to the mistake, like we will find out more about Pearl's like backstory and everything. Right. But like, yeah, the mistake of the kindergartens is a thing that Pearl feels shame about because she was complicit in its existence and and, and, and it coming about, you know? Yeah. Um, Obviously, she wasn't a decision maker in like the, you know, the diamond authority or what have you. Uh, but she is, she feels complicit in, like, this thing that happened to this planet. And that's where, like, everybody just having a whole lot of shame about these things that come from their past that they have different, like, a different level of interaction with, obviously. But it's a, it's a very good kind of crossing of the streams. Yeah. And, I mean... Uh, just the way that she tries and fails mm-hmm. to to comfort at first is just so good. It's so so good. Um, and she at least she did pull it out at the end. Yeah, like Pearl's, she ma- she 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 stuck the landing somehow. Yeah, Pearl's not actually mean. I mean, sometimes she's actually mean, but Pearl's trying. She's try. You can see her trying to be better. At being more emotionally there for the people around her. Yeah. Then they hug, and I wrote, I'm not crying, I'm crying. (laughs) So. If you can't, if you've watched this series up until this point and don't cry now, I I don't know what's up. (laughs) So. This is the, the... this is going to be, like, this is the same level of t- tears I'm going to cry when a DIY gets back together for real. Or the next time Kenny and Coda wrestle, so. Oh, my God. 
It's happening. I'm 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 calling it 2021. It's happening. I hope you're right. Possibly 2022. Maybe Wrestle Kingdom next year. Um. Yeah. Uh. Fucking. Oh, like this I, is. This is some good shit. This is such good shit. Oh, my God. This is like Steven Universe at their most masterful of like, here's some lore. Oh, by the way, here's some more like emotionally devastating character interactions. Oh, it's so good. Oh, my God. Just as someone who's so deeply invested in like Amethyst and her trauma and deeply invested in the horrible relationship between Amethyst and Pearl and also the lore. Oh, I feasted this week, Brian. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm interested because I know eventually their relationship gets better. Obviously you can't have five seasons yeah. of the two people just being like real shitty to each other. Right. Uh, especially not a show like this. That's like built on the idea of character growth, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to see going forward how their relationship changes. Mm-hmm. So, which I think is another thing for horror club that might be, or like uh, go to your theory of it actually needing to have been earlier in the series. But, um, yeah. Uh, anything? Let me find. There's not a good screenshot of the kindergarten on the run. <laughs> here we go. All right, here we go. Doop. Copy image. All right. August, prepare. I am preparing. I've sent you the image. Pick your hole. Um, I'm gonna go the bottom most one on the left. Okay. Just because I hate heights and it looks relatively undamaged. That's fair. I'm gonna go like way high. Uh, I'm gonna like that, not all the way in the back, but that like kind of third layer back, the injector that's like sticking out of the wall there. I'm gonna be like right above that. That's actually where I was thinking you were going to go. <laughs> I feel glad. I feel like I feel like we've had a bonding moment because I was able to figure out approximately where your say it. Amigara fault thing <laughs> was. You almost said where your <laughs> hole was going to be. No, I did not. You, no, I did not. Don't you lie to me, August. <laughs> <laughs> And moving on, we're on to episode 41, Horror Club. This one was written by Raven Mollesey and Paul Velico. Um, did I say written by? Yes, I did. Well, that's what I meant, not directed. Um, the uh, This one aired in February as well as like a week after Um and the official synopsis for this one is a little bit better. Steven goes to a lighthouse to watch scary movies with Ronaldo, Lars, and Sadie. Sure, yes. I guess. Yeah. Yes, he does do that. I feel like they can give a little bit more away in these. <laughs> yeah, that one, you know, some of them, it's like, okay, yes, that, that happened. 
some of them it's like this technically happened but doesn't really have anything to do with the episode and I feel like this definitely follows falls in the first camp but like it would have been easy to just throw out a and then a mystery follows or mm-hmm. something like that <laughs> something like, scary happens in Ronaldo's where lighthouse or something you know Blah. Anyways, uh, the episode starts out with Lars um, standing outside the big donut, joking with Sadie about locking her in. When Steven suddenly appears out of the darkness, freaking Lars the fuck out. Um, he is bragging about going to a spooky movie party uh, and asks if Lars wants to come. Lars is like, who's putting on a spooky movie party that you're going to? And he's like, Ronaldo. And <laughs> Lars is like, fuck no, that dude is, quote, social napalm. Uh, as the two are, like, chatting slash bickering, Sadie exits. And she's like, oh, hey, Steven, you ready to go to the party? Uh, and they le- start to leave. Lars behind Lars, realizing that, like, Sadie is going to a thing and he doesn't want to feel left out, uh, tags along with the two. They show up at the lighthouse. It looks like it's decorated for Halloween because there's scarecrows and bats outside. Um, Lars greets them, uh, wearing a Phantom of the Opera slash werewolf getup. Uh, also, uh, also Frankenstein, because he has a couple of, like, Frankenstein-style, like, stitches. Oh, really? I didn't even notice that. Yeah, he's a lot of, he's a lot of things. Um, he is, uh, puts on the, like, blah, welcome to my movie night vibe uh, until he sees Lars, where he's thrown off his game. Um, Sadie introduces herself, uh, and goes inside, followed by Lars, who is making fun of the whole situation throwing Ronaldo off. He asks Steven if uh, he's friends with Lars, and Steven's like, yeah, isn't everybody? Uh, this beautiful child <laughs> never let anything bad happen to him. Uh, <laughs> uh, they go inside, uh, settle in, and Ronaldo uh, pulls out the VHS they're going to watch. It's Evil Bear 2, um, Barely Alive, uh, Lars scoffs at it, saying that uh, he's seen this movie. It's not all that scary, and it's also the CGI bear looks dumb. Uh, Ronaldo's like, how dare you utter the word CGI in my presence? This is the original fucking 80s copy with the animatronic bear. Um, Sadie is actually pretty uh, pretty into this um, for stuff we will find out way later in the series about Sadie. Um and uh, she's like, do you think this will be a little too scary for Steven? Steven's like, nah, I can handle it. Smash cut to Steven sitting behind the couch and not watching the video at all. Um, as the um, as somebody's being eaten by the bear uh, in the video, the lights all go out. Um, everybody's like, oh, what could this be? And Ronaldo's immediately like, it's a ghost. And they're like, uh, are you sure it's a ghost? He's like, a ghost. Uh, so he goes to his filing cabinet, I guess full of relics, sure, um, pulls out a coin or a washer, something, wrapped on a lanyard and starts doing kind of like a seance vibe thing. Uh, the ghost, <coughs> sorry, the ghost gives them a sign uh, by smashing the thing into Lars's face. Ronaldo likes this, uh, asks the ghost to give them a couple of more signs just to be sure. Um the whole room just starts going fucking ape shit. Shit's flying around. Everybody's freaking out. Sadie's like, let's get the f- 
fuck out of here. Uh, they have to break through the door to get out of the room. The door reforms itself. Lars is still vehemently denying that this is a ghost. Um, they run downstairs, but as they're leaving, um, uh, Ronaldo is commenting, uh, or complimenting Sadie on how take charge she is and how brave she is. And like, you know, when I come back to investigate this later, you know, you want to come with me? Uh, Lars is having fucking none of this shit. Uh, he rushes down the stairs, uh, tries to exit the front door, but is immediately attacked by the scarecrows and bats. I can't tell if the bats are real bats or if they're fake bats brought to life. It's kind of kind of weird, but they are able to fight the scarecrows back outside um, where Ronaldo reveals that this is not just any regular ghost. This is a poltergeist, a spirit that haunts a person, not a place, uh, basically accusing all of this to be Lars's fault because he's a shithead. Um Lars refutes this, being saying to Steven, like, this is bullshit. And Steven's like, I think you should be nicer to Ronaldo. And Lars is like, Sadie, you've got to be on my side about this. And say, like, let's ditch these fucking idiots. And at that, Sadie is like, listen, no, we're not ditching anybody. You need to get your shit together. I think Ronaldo's right. And then she's immediately eaten by the fucking floor. Everybody loses their shit as the basement door is, like, thrown open. They travel into the basement where Ronaldo and Lars are bickering and uh, Steven gets this this inclination of what's going on with the spirit that it, it is hurt and frustrated and scared um, and then uh, the camera pans over to where the word Lars is carved into the wood of the wall but it's like veiny and fucking pulsating and looks like some fucking Silent Hill shit um, Ronaldo is like all right, we've got to sacrifice Lars to the ghost. Picks up Lars and is begins sacrificing Lars to the fucking ghost. Steven's like, oh my god, you can't just murder Lars. As uh, a giant mouth opens and Ronaldo just fucking yeets Lars into this open mouth. Uh, Steven dives in after him, Lar or, uh, Ronaldo declaring that Lars is not worth it. Um, they're almost decapitated by giant teeth when Steven forms the bubble. Uh, he expands the bubble... Uh, smashing the wall and poofing what turns out to have been a gym. He picks up the gym, and when he picks it up, it plays a flashback of young Ronaldo and Lars when they were kids, forming a clubhouse inside of the the lighthouse. Um, they are when Lars goes to carve his name into the wall. He's attacked by the wall. Ronaldo snaps a picture. Uh, Lars uh, ends up tearing the picture up because he doesn't want it to get out because he doesn't want to know anyone to know that he is friends with Ronaldo because Ronaldo is such a nerdo. Everybody thinks he's a loser. Um, uh, Steven uh, poofs the bubble um, and uh, everybody starts checking on Sadie as the two boys are fawning over Sadie. Steven is like, Sadie, come with me. These two have some shit to talk about. Uh, as Ronaldo tries to, uh, reconcile with Lars, Lars is like, fuck this, I've gotta go after this chick I guess I still have the hots for, uh, and Ronaldo is like, hey, maybe tone it down a little bit, buddy, uh, putting Lars in his place, star wipe the end. I mean, to be fair, if I were Lars, I'd go after Sadie over Ronaldo anyway. Yeah, yeah, fuck that, I'd, but... Listen, there's nothing there, there's... <laughs> why, why stick around with, uh... Lars or uh, Ronaldo, <sighs> you can in fact just uh, um, go after uh, Sadie. 
Yes. Why hang out with the Aranon when you could hang out with Sadie? In my notes, I never wrote out Ronaldo. I just wrote Aranon every time. I... <sighs> Since this was not explicitly about his exper- his conspiracy theories, I did not call him Aranon, but oh my god. Like <laughs> I I genuinely this episode hits really weird in the light of all of the conspiracy bullshit that has happened in the past several years since the creation of Steven Universe because this is like, I don't blame Lars for not wanting to hang out with Ronaldo and thinking he's social napalm. And I don't understand Steven and Sadie tolerating him with the behaviors that he's exhibited and the way that he's acted towards Steven in particular. Well, technically, this is Sadie's first time ever meeting Ronaldo. Is it? Yeah, because she. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah. So she doesn't know any better. And, and, yeah. and Steven believes everybody is, is good <laughs> at this moment in his life, you know? Yeah. Um, my first note is Steven's adorable. <laughs> yeah, he's, Steven is adorable. He's trying to be a cool kid. He's, he's very good. He's trying to emulate Lars. It's true. It's so good. It's, it's very cute. Also, did you notice that Lars has different plugs this episode? I did. I actually notated it early, like later when they, like when it's, uh, the lights are out and they glow in the dark. That's actually sick yes. as shit. Yeah. I, I noted it's like, oh, Lars's plugs are different. And then later it's like, oh, they glow in the dark. That's so fun. Yeah. That's pretty fucking dope. Frankly. It's really cute. Um, Further ammunition that this should have been a Halloween episode or was intended to be a Halloween episode. Yeah, I'll have to check later, like further down, but like that definitely feels like that. Uh, I love how he refers to him, you know, Ronaldo, the French fryman. <laughs> yes. God. Oh my God. That has very babish energy. It does, yes. Like, just saying. It's true. Uh, he has like an episode when we get to there's like a restaurant wars episode uh, that will come up, I think, in season two uh, that we'll get to. And uh, maybe as like uh, extra viewing, we'll review the uh, there's a, been a couple of binging with Babish episodes about Steven Universe stuff. Yeah, Anya's watched some of it in my presence and it's been very good. <laughs> um, um, but oh, go on. Sorry. God. Yeah. I, I don't like Ronaldo, but Jesus Christ, the way Lars treats him this entire episode. Yeah, Lars is in, like, full shithead mode, man. Like, he, I don't, here's the thing, I don't know if, even if this episode was more around Halloween time, or maybe if the series was supposed to get an earlier release, because even if it had released around Halloween, that would have been way early in this series. Because this is February of the next year, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's probably what happened is maybe there was supposed to be an earlier actual release date or start date for the show and it just didn't happen. Like it got yeah. pushed from a summer release to a fall release or something. Yeah. Um. But goddamn, you would think at some point Lars would learn a lesson about being a fucking decent human being. Jesus Christ. <sighs> I just, I spent this entire episode going back and forth on which one of them I dislike more. And I feel a little bad because part of that isn't necessarily 
the fault of Ronaldo as he was when the show was airing. Like, I feel like I would be much kinder towards Ronaldo if I had been watching it when it actually happened and not in a QAnon world. Well, I mean, but, uh, I have specifically have a note here that goes, oh, Ronaldo gatekeeps his horror movies? Who would have guessed? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that it. <laughs> so you know they're both kind of like they're both as, shitheads. As little kids, obviously, like if we're going to put the most the impetus on the person who did the most damage here, it's probably Lars when he was a child, right? And this is the, the animosity between the two has grown out of that event. And if we're looking I mean, at that event, it feels like it's specifically Lars's fault, you know. It's not Lars's fault, though, because Ronaldo was explicitly ignoring Lars's boundaries. Like, Lars said, no, I don't want this published, and Ronaldo's like, fuck you, I'm gonna do it anyway. Ah, uh, that's true. But the, Like, they're both shitty. That's fair, but I mean, yeah, they're both real shitty. Frankly, let's just call it a tie. They both suck. They just suck for different fucking reasons. Yeah. Uh, you know who doesn't suck? Sadie. Sadie fucking hero of our show somehow become the main character of gay space rocks sadie <laughs> sadie's so good like she's completely no nonsense sadie stop having terrible taste in men because you could kind of see her slightly smiling at ronaldo there it's like girl love yourself listen if you had a guy who you just met who's in fact seemingly at least not lars who's into you you'd probably be like ah maybe <laughs> I I can't relate. I don't like men that way anymore. And I just, I can't relate. I feel like if you're whole, like if you're rebounding, uh, romantically speaking, from feelings for Lars. Okay, yeah. yeah you're yeah, like, you know what? Ronaldo might be a step up. And then, you, then you know, he shows you all his like white, his like uh, fucking body pillow collection. You're like, ah, fuck. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I'm thinking about the rebound after the relationship I had before Crystal, so. <laughs> uh, Sadie's so nice to Steven. She's like, oh, do you think that uh, Steven, this is too scary for Steven? Steven's like, I'm fine. Sadie's so good. I love her. Um, we'll find I out. I love the gag with the couch, too. It's true. Uh, we'll find out much later in the series. I think in like season three or four, even like pretty late. Um, Sadie is, like, real into fucking horror movies. Like, she collects, like, VHS, like, 80s horror slasher films. Well, I mean, I don't think we'd wait that long to find out. I mean, it's pretty clear from the way that she's, like, talking about, like, the uh, providence of this particular VHS and, like, what that cut of the movie is like. That's like, true. it's clearly a, a very special interest. Yeah. I think that's fun for Sadie, who's, like, this very, you know, not normal, or, like, normie or whatever. So she's, like, a, a regular fucking person, right? Yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, I also love really gory slasher films. Yeah. It's good. I... I like Sadie because she's allowed to do a lot of stuff that, like, girl characters don't always get to do. She gets to be gross. She gets to have body hair. She gets to be big and still eat. And she gets to, like, slasher flicks. Yeah. Like, good for her. I love Sadie. I want the world for her. 
my my note after oh uh Ronaldo gatekeeps is go whoa 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 <laughs> Uh, and also those gauges slap because they do <laughs> they're really good they're really good um, I like the go like immediately like the lights go out and Ronaldo's like it's a ghost and everybody's like are you sure it's a ghost he's like listen I've got a filing cabinet full of I'm sure not appropriate religious artifacts in here uh, <laughs> yeah a skeptic of mortality yeah okay buddy yeah sure bud um fucking in flat fast forward uh 15 years where ronaldo is hosting the fucking steven universe version of like hunting hitler jesus christ <laughs> i did love i did love the whole like you know lars is is pitching a fit and then steven's like it happens and then lars is like no it doesn't i mean you know and what like- fair lars <laughs> Yeah, like, once again, I'm on Lars's side, and I don't like it. Like, I don't want to be with this shitty boy, but also he has a point. <laughs> My notes for as they're going down the stairs. Sadie, no! No! <laughs> you don't get to My- be charmed by Ronaldo. <laughs> My note was Lars' voice. Ugh, feelings. <laughs> Uh, I like how all, the only thing uh, Lars seemingly gives a f- dusty fuck about in this episode is, like, Sadie and looking cool in front of Sadie. Which, again, yeah. is why I think this is maybe was supposed to come slightly earlier in the run. Yeah. Bef- Wait, did Sadie have her scar? She does have her scar. All right, huh. never mind. I take it back. Because that's a that's not like that wouldn't be a continuity error, you know? Yeah, they may have they may have just like it may have been written to be early on, but because it's a quote unquote filler episode, they decided they could just shuffle it forward. Yeah, because it doesn't like because all this the the real main points of this episode are supposed to be like Lars is a shithead. Hey, look at Steven's new power. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah, so I mean this is this could easily be considered to be a filler episode because it's really mostly about just like character moments. Yeah. Um I did have to call Ronaldo out here. Uh this can't be a poltergeist. There's no dirty water. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I didn't look up anything about phasma phasmophobia. Uh before I, I did think joke. about that, yeah. but I didn't look it up either. Uh, roleplay server where we we played these four people doing a phasmophobia ghost hunt. Oh my god. That would be great, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> Just one of us stays on the van the whole time, yelling, like, guys, yeah. I want to go. <laughs> yeah, that's me. God, uh. I'm the Lars. <laughs> god damn it. Um... The basement music cue is really good. It's so good. Also, it's like... It's so good. I mean, I we, we sort of touched on it in the previous episode, but, like, like them using... Like, the last episode was, like, horrifying in, like, a subtle... Like, in a low-key, like, background hum sort of way. But, like, they're like, mm-hmm. hey, uh, we haven't been just abjectly terrifying in a couple of episodes. Should we, should we, like, throw in a big flesh wall? And they're like, yeah, we should probably get that in there. <laughs> yeah it's good it's good 
Like, it's straight up some fucking Silent Hill shit. Yeah, it's, oh my god. This is legitimately then, a monster you would fight in Silent Hill. Like, a house that is mad because of trauma that happened inside of it, and then eats you. Yeah, but if it were in Silent Hill, it would probably also have tits. I mean, yes, but they can't put the tits on screen in Steven Universe. That's true. Um, and I say this I say this with all sorts of love for the Silent Hill franchise. I do deeply enjoy it and all of its really flawed psychosexual horror. I have never I, it's it really will flawed, not surprise though. you that I've never played the Silent Hill games. Yeah. The hater of all the spooks. It's fine. Um, the the thing that you wanted to really avoid, like I never found the the Silent Hill games to partic- be particularly scary, but um, the Fatal Frame games, those are Oof. very scary. Oh boy, that was a lot. Yeah, the, um, the Silent Hill games are more scary in an existential dread sort of way, and occasional yeah. jump scares. Yeah, pretty much. Um, what do you think about um, Steven's new power? I mean, it feels pretty natural, mm-hmm. all things considered. So so here's a fun fact that I don't know if it's ever really touched upon in the in the series or if it's said explicitly in the series. But I think this this power of empathy that Stephen has, I don't think it's a power that Rose had. Mm. Like, I think this is a power that's exclusive to Stephen. Like, Rose yeah. was an empathetic person. To an extent, like, she was affected by other people's suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think in this very explicit way that Steven is. And we'll see an evolution of this power. This is kind of like a hint at it, and we won't really get back to this power until, like, season two, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's not like, like we're not rapidly approaching season two at this point in the season anyways. Like, honestly, it didn't even at first occurred to me that this could be a power just because Steven has already demonstrated so much perception about the emotions of those around him just in general that it didn't even really strike me as weird that he was like, oh yeah, this house hurts. Like, okay, yeah, sure. I I will agree with you, small child, who has historically accurately predicted the emotions of your friends and parents. Right. Um, then Ronaldo kills Lars. <laughs> yeah, Steven, he's not worth it. Why do I agree with Ronaldo? <laughs> I'm like, I actually wrote, I just wrote here. I knew I knew I would be able to remember what this refers to. I wrote, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's worth it to save that gem, though. Yeah, and, and honestly, Sadie. baby Lars is really cute. It's true. It like so. There, there's this uh, fan theory that like in, in the one that you proposed apropos of like no interacting with the fandom of the like trans Lars theory or head cam. Yeah, and I feel like yeah. I feel like baby Lars also leans into that. It he does. Mm. He really does. Um, um especially with like his interest in how or his deep interest in how he's perceived right now obviously that's like true about like most kids 
especially yeah. like they're probably like 11 or 12 in that in, in that flashback i would assume yeah so maybe maybe even younger yeah it's, depending it's hard to tell because Steven's so small i can't gauge ages of other children on the show by him yeah you're right but but yeah just i mean a lot of the stuff that trans kids go through are things that all kids go through, but there's something about it that just makes it yeah. very specifically trans flavored right. for reasons I can't With the I dial just articulate. turned all the way up to a billion. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I thought that, like, the... I mean, obviously, I feel like it's pretty... Like, you've watched Steven Universe long enough to be like, this is a gym. <laughs> pretty quickly, yeah. but, like, it's pretty good. Um, it is. A gym can be a haunted house, too. Or a haunted house can be a gym, too. Oh, interesting. Okay, so this episode did not premiere near Halloween in America, but in Latin America and the Philippines, they rearranged the episodes so it came out closer to Halloween. Neat. Hmm, interesting. Okay, cool. So, uh, nice. Uh, okay. Any extra, any other notes or comments about Horror Club? Um, the final note I have is once again, Lars' voice, ugh, feelings. I know, right? I need to get, uh, I need to make like a Steven Universe soundboard <laughs> that I can like yeah. plug in and play. Well, I mean, like, you know, he's not explicitly saying ugh feelings, but he's just he say doing ugh. his damnedest. <laughs> he's doing his damnedest to, like, dodge every single feeling that he's ever had. I love them just, like, making the like making the quiet part loud, and they're like, it must have been, like, oh, so it was just lashing out because it felt frustrated and trapped. And Lloyd's like, stop talking about me. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Like, it's good. I like the thing I, I think I, I hope shows like that, like spawn out of like spin out of Steven Universe take away is like this. Like, especially like fantastical cartoons like this is like the focus on the supporting cast and like just people uh, and why those are important to your your hero character. Because I feel like it's like, um, it's like in comic books, like Superman is made better by Jimmy Olsen and in Lois Lane. Like they're not, they don't orbit his life. They are his life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So like your narrative is going to be very sterile if you don't have at least some care for the people around your main character. Right. Zack Snyder. This is me calling out Zack Snyder on our podcast. I know you're listening, Zack. Yeah. <laughs> you can come on anytime you want, frankly. <laughs> we'll give you the same pay rate we give everybody and not a goddamn dollar more. <laughs> um, you'll leave quickly as I, like, admonish you about how you don't understand comic books. Uh, alrighty. Man... So moving on, are we good to move on? 
we're good to move on. Okay. Also, um, I just got a text. This is unrelated to Steven mm-hmm. Universe, but my tattoo artist tested negative for COVID last week, so we're good for our appointment at the end of the month. Sweet. Uh, everybody out there in, in podcast land, August is getting a podcast tattoo. They're not. Am I? No, you're not. But wouldn't oh, it be no. weird if you were for this podcast? <laughs> not for this podcast, but if I if I manage to make it to three tattoos, I know what my third one's going to be, and it is going to be an FTL tattoo. That's fair. Um, I wouldn't get a podcast. I wouldn't get a tattoo for this podcast. It just gets Steven Universe tattoo. <laughs> yeah. There's at least some great imagery in this show that could just be some good general t- generalized tattoos. Like some temple wall art? That would be pretty dope. Ooh, yeah. Um, moving on to episode 42, Winter Forecast. It was written by Lamar Abrams and Helen Joe. Just fucking garbage tier synopsis this week. Steven uh, has to get Connie home before it snows. Um, excuse you, I'm just trying to enjoy lunch. I, I guess. I mean, They've got to be getting paid by the synopsis, not by the word. So they're just cranking them out as fast as they can. Yeah, they're not even really good because that doesn't... Like, the last two don't particularly do anything to make you want to watch it either. Yeah, like, there's nothing... They're not... That's not how a synopsis works. If you're scrolling through the fucking... The the, the TV guide, like... That's not compelling. None of these are compelling. I just don't feel like they do their job, you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> take that. Got them. Official synopsis writers who, I don't know, they might be auto-generated for all I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the episode starts, I also have the hiccup, so deal with this while I try and do this plot summary, listener at home. The episode starts with Stephen and Connie. They're sitting by a fire. They're roasting marshmallows, uh, just having a good old time, marshmallow-based, frankly. Uh, when Dr. Maheshwaran calls, uh, she asks Connie if she's been watching the weather. Connie's like, no, Stephen's still grounded from TV. Um, and she she understands this, but is like, you need to get home. A uh, big snowstorm is coming to Beach City, uh, and if you don't get a ride, we're going to have to send your dad. Connie's like, Jesus Christ, don't send dad. He's so bad at driving. Uh, I'll get a ride home. And she's like, I got to go home. And Steven's bummed. Uh, at that point, the Crystal Gems show up. Uh, they're like, you two having a good time, says Pearl. Uh, and Connie's like, yeah, but I've got to go home because my mom says it's going to go snow. But it might miss us. You know, sometimes the weather's not 100% accurate. And Garnet's like, yeah, it's definitely going to snow. Steven's like, yeah, she's got the future vision. She's like, oh, uh, OK. Um, Steven's trying to procrastinate. But Garnet's like, you've got to go. You've got to make good decisions. And like kisses Steven on the forehead. Um, and there's like a, a sparkle. Um Later on, Stephen and Connie are are at the car wash with Greg. Greg is in a beautiful uh, cherry sweater. Uh, It's so good. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, Stephen kind of seeing his opportunity to continue to play with Connie for a little while more uh, tells Greg that, like, you you can't go see the Mahishorns like that. You need them to see you as a responsible adult. He's like, oh, you're probably right. And so he digs out the turtleneck they wore, and they're like, you can't wear that. This, they're going to think you only want wear 
or own one fancy shirt. And he's like, I do only want to own one fancy shirt. So basically, they're able to procrastinate by getting Greg trying a series of outfits. There's a fashion montage. It's great. Greg finally ends up in an Elvis costume. Uh, and they head on out uh, while they're driving. The snowstorm is coming down like a motherfucker. Uh, they hit a patch of ice, spin out, uh, and Greg decides that they'll walk the rest of the way. Uh, in the freezing cold, they walk, eventually re- arriving at the Maheshwarns, who are like, Where the fuck have you people been? <laughs> uh, why are the children blue? Oh my god, Connie is sick. And they're very upset, which is frankly understandable. Um, and uh, it's all, it's a bad seed all around. Uh, Steven staring at the back of Greg's shirt that is like some kind of psychedelic fucking uh, seeing eye poster uh, has like a brain blast and goes back to them crashing. Uh, and he's like, what what's happening? Uh, and realizes that they shouldn't walk, that they should probably stay in the van. Uh, they do stay in the van. Greg makes the kids dinner, a uh, dinner of frozen air quotes waffles. Uh, and eggs made on a waffle iron, which is frankly pretty, pretty impressive. Not going to lie. Um, but while uh, they are eating, uh, Dr. Mahesh Warden calls Connie, saying that her dad has come to pick them up. Uh, she's like, no, dad's terrible at driving in the. Oh, no, actually, it's her dad who calls her saying he's on his way to pick her up. Um, while he's driving, he hits the same patch of ice, slamming into the van. Steven zoop, goes back in time one more time. Um this time he's at the car wash. Uh, correct? I didn't miss anything there, right? Yeah, Stevens. Yep, Stevens at the car wash. He's at the car wash. Greg is spitting his keys on his finger. Steven takes those motherfuckers and just chucks them into the fucking snow. He's like, we can't go out. It's all terrible. I've seen the future. Bad things are happening. Uh, so he grabs Connie's hand. They're running back to the um, the temple. Uh, Connie's mom calls and it's like, you've got to get here. And Connie's like, no, I'm staying the night with Steven. She's like, you're fucking what? Uh, and Steven's like, Dr. Maheshwarn, don't send out uh, Mr. Maheshwarn. He's terrible at driving in the snow. Then throws Connie's phone into the snow. They arrive at the temple where we see the gems with the shooting star that we saw um, a few episodes ago. Uh, Wasn't that Monster Buddies? I believe it. Yeah, it's the, yeah, it's the thing from Monster Buddies. That's right. Um they're levitating it, talking about sending it to the galaxy warp, using it to explode the galaxy warp for good. Uh, Pearl has trepidations about this, saying that if it gets caught, if it explodes while it's in warp, it will explode forever. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, she, her concentration is broken when Steven starts like, hey, what are you guys doing? Um, the explosion happens and we warp all the way back to the beginning of the episode where Garnet kissed him on the forehead. Garnet had given Steven her his power, her powers for just a moment. Uh, Steven uses this to make good choices, um, basically fixing all the problems that we'd seen in the previous things in a cute little montage. They arrive at the Mahesh Warns. The Mahesh Warns are like, hey, everybody. Uh, how is everyone? They're like, it's pretty good. Um, as they get ready to leave, uh... The Maheshwarns are like, well, it's coming down pretty bad. Do you guys want to just stay so you don't, like, wreck or anything? They're like, yeah, sure. Uh, they are sleeping downstairs. Uh, we cut to a quiet scene where Steven's kind of laying on the couch looking at the snow come down when Connie comes down the stairs. Uh, it's entirely silent as Connie goes to sit at the foot of the couch and the two of them watch the snow together. Uh, 
it's very good star wipe the int. So, note one, and it'll be that every Connie and Steven episode will almost always have the same opening note of these two are so fucking cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, it's so adorable. I love it. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't stand it. Yeah, it's very good. Um, well, I mean, okay, what I what I did was, ugh, why are they so cute? <laughs> but, you know. Um, I don't think marshmallows these days are, like, made with horse hooves and shit. Like, I watched... I mean, they're made with gelatin. I mean, that's fair. I mean, I watched Sola make homemade marshmallows and... She didn't use any horses, to my knowledge. Yeah, but I mean, you're still going to have to get that gelatin from somewhere. Is, like, most gel... Is most gelatin still made out of animals? I thought most of it would probably be made out of, like, agar-agar or some shit like that now. I think a lot of it is still made out of animal byproducts. Interesting. Uh, right into the show, if you know the answer, audience. Uh, how much horse is in your I average just- pack of jello? I just remember watching a bunch of How to Cook That and uh, the person who does How to Cook That, Anne Reardon, is a food scientist. And she talked about like how gelatin was made like before it was really an industrialized process and like the ways that it was purified then versus the way that, ways that it gets purified now. Interesting. Hmm. I didn't know that. Cool. Um, yeah, if you want to look up her video on, like, her 200-year-old Grand Trifle recipe, it's A, a good video, and B, that's where she talks about it. I might do that. I've looked into some previous, like, old-school Jell-O shit, um, for SCA purposes. Uh, I've never Mm -hmm. done any of it because, like, frankly, I'm not even, like, a huge fan of normal-ass Jell-O, let alone a Jell-O I must render from an animal. (laughs) Um, you typically, if you thought the 1950s did some fucking jello crimes, let me tell you about the 1550s. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, so this sort of confirms Delmarva, which is the state that they're in, the fake state they're in. Uh, that has to be, uh, fucking... It has to be up north, right? Yeah, it's got to be. So the, the, it's I'm thinking it's Delaware because it's called Delmarva. Like, I'm thinking they're in Delaware. What's the over under on this? Yeah. I mean, does Delaware I'd, have beaches? I would be willing to take that bet. Yeah. I don't know anything about the north. Have beaches. Yes, well, I mean, it does. The, yeah, there are beaches up north. Yeah. I didn't know if Delaware did. I couldn't remember what the... the you know, it just... It turns into the horn of the United States in my head. It just all becomes the north, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure all of the northerners think the same thing about the south, frankly. So, you know, fair. Uh, yeah. The...
I don't know what I have this note here for. What's the note? Um, it says they're wrong, but they can't know that. I don't know. Oh, probably about them thinking that Greg is a responsible adult. Oh, that's true. It is. That's exactly what that note's about. <laughs> I feel um, like Greg could have followed that up with that line, like of being like, they think I'm a responsible adult. They're wrong, but I can't let them know that. Yeah. And it's like, what's wrong with the sweatsuit? The cherries are so good. Obviously, I think obviously nothing's wrong with the th- sweatsuit. As we come to find out that it looks fine. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Connie's dad comes off as like such a level of nerdo that he's probably worn something way worse than that. Just recreationally. Yeah. Um, and the I loved the bits where they're getting him to try on different clothes and how the clothes keep ending up on the snowman that they're it's making. A good, it's a good gag. It's so cute. Uh, also, of course, Greg owns a, a fucking Elvis outfit, I guess. Of course. There's also and the the sweater that he wears after the turtleneck, A, becomes like Greg's default cold weather look. And also, B, mm-hmm. looks good. Looks fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think that, I think that looks as good as the turtleneck, you know? Yeah, that's not a bad look at all. Yeah. Um... Uh, as a person who used to drive uh, minivan, old ass minivans, very similar to Greg's model, almost exclusively because he was in bands, you got to put some fucking weight in the back of the fucking van, Greg. <laughs> That's what fucking happens. Like when you take all the seats out of the van, it becomes like a fucking pickup truck. You got to put some fucking weight back there. Or shit's going to go wild. Yeah. In the winter, I used to just keep all of the, the the base speaker cabs in the back of my truck indefinitely so that my truck, my, uh, my fucking van wouldn't spin out. Greg, you were in, well, actually, Greg was like a solo act, so he wasn't actually in a band. But you should know this, Greg. Come on. Yeah. I was about to say, like, he should, he should have at least known hauling around all the gear he needed for himself. That's still, I imagine, not an inconsiderable amount of weight. Yeah. And he's from, he's from, like, a Yankee state. Like, you should know this. They, they're much better at snow than us. Is is he from there, though? Yeah, he's from Delmarva. Like, he could be a... Oh, he is? Okay. I don't think he he's... He could be a southern transplant, but... Yeah, he's not from Beach City, but he's not from terribly far away. Um, he, he mentions where it is, but still within the state of Delmarva. Okay. Um, I feel like they're making a considerable effort to, like, ratchet the fucking dial back on Connie's parents this episode. I'm sorry, could you repeat that? Oh, I said I feel like they're making a considerable effort to, like, ratchet the dial back on Connie's parents this episode. Uh, I still don't like them. That's fair, but they definitely come off as less fucking bad as they did last time. Yeah, they're they're not quite as bad as they were last time, but her dad's still a cop and her mom's still a shithead. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Her, her her dad continues to be a cop. Steven Universe unfortunately doesn't like uh, does not uh, address the fact that like Connie's dad is basically a, like a rent a cop. Um, yeah. The <sighs> they do at least do some rehab on her mom though eventually. That's 
something at least. Um, My next note is about Connie saying Itadakimas being the cutest fucking thing. Which is so weird because like she's she's not an anime nerd? Oh, she is an anime nerd. That makes sense. I was like about saying yeah, like I, a- I don't like Yeah, she she's she is decidedly an anime nerd. I feel like I do feel like the Mahesh Warren's uh like being upset that the the kids are hours late uh freezing cold. <laughs> like Sometimes they're just like, yeah, you know what? You probably would be legitimately mad at this. Yeah. Um, the I like the that her dad cannot drive in the snow at all. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, he is he driving a fucking uh, is that a station wagon that he's driving? I wonder if it's supposed to be a Christmas vacation call out. I don't think that was a station wagon. I thought it was just like a normal. Oh, apparently it's a Volvo of the early 200 series. Oh, boy. Apparently. OK, so this seems like a stretch trivia section of the Wikipedia. But Doug Mahesh Warren has a car that resembles a Volvo of the early 2000 or 200 series. These cars are somewhat commonly used by young people to illegally and intentionally uh, cause the car to slide on icy patches of snow and ice um, to play around with during the winter months of Sweden. Huh. Uh, okay. That feels like a stretch. That, that does feel like a stretch, but at the same time, it wouldn't be the deepest cut that we've seen this season alone. That's so. true. We do get we did get that like South Korean the Korean workout workout. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, uh, but yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, I like this. Like, I like how. It does like you're not a hundred percent sure that it's like a future vision episode until the first flashback. Mm-hmm. Like they do a pretty good job of like not necessarily like giving up the ghost, but as soon as it happens, you're like, ah, future vision. Yeah. Especially if you noticed the sparkles. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, were relatively subtle, all things considered. So Yeah, it could have just been they add effects to shit all the time that's just like mundane. So it could just been yeah. an extra loving kiss from Garnet. Yeah. Uh, the why did I write down callbacks, but not what the callback was? Why do I hate myself? Uh, oh, well, the uh, I like how it like escalates to them, like running back and Steven just being like Steven, who's shown himself multiple times to not be able to handle time travel. <laughs> Yeah, he's not good at time travel. Uh, Just being like the only option is to throw everything into the snow. Yeah. Um. So when it comes to like the 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 gems, like levitating the uh, shooting star, right? Do you think Garnet knew that Steven would see that, or is this one of the just one of the possible futures? You know. Uh, I don't know. I feel like 
the way that I don't know the way that Garnet was talking about it made it seem like she like temporarily gave her power to him, so she may not she may have not have seen what Stephen what did. Steven yeah, saw. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um. I like that they, they, they weave some plot into this, like, decidedly a filler episode. Yeah. Um, like, in the background, the gems are still losing their fucking shit about the idea that Homeworld is coming. Like, yeah. it's the only thing that they can think about, and they're they're all having, like, this just level of existential terror about it. Yeah. Yeah, it was really well done. Also, the fact that the shooting star will explode forever is uh, great. That's a terrifying visual. I'm glad that's a thing that could happen. It's fine. It'll be fine. (laughs) Um... The, uh... I like how uh, when everything goes right, Greg is like, A, the Maheshwarns are fine. They're like just normal ass people for like a second. Even Connie yeah. remote like being like, hey, that's actually really cool of you. And like, I'm thinking that it's like when things are going right and they can see that like their daughter is safe, maybe they'll start to like fucking mellow out, you know? Um, hopefully. I mean, yeah, but also, like, abusers are usually fine to other people when it suits them to be fine to other people, so. Sorry, I'm just salty. (laughs) It's okay. Um, The uh, Connie sneaking downstairs. Adorable. It's It's so so fucking cute. It's the cutest shit in all of existence. It's so fucking cute. Oh, my God. It just like they're doing such a good job of building like obviously from like the onset that these these two kind of liked each other, right? Like Yeah. But like they've definitely grown out of friendship and it's still just kind of bubbling there like bubbling away there under the surface or what have you. Um it's a uh, it's very cute uh the Connie Stevens slow burn but not really slow burn uh is pretty it's pretty good. It's really good. Uh, I like that yeah, and YouTube I just, exists in I this love, world. I love how quiet the last scene was. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely no words, just them and their quiet understanding of doing this thing that they wanted to do together. It was just very cute and very sweet. It's very good. Um, the... Um, like, it's, it's good for, like, because, like, they don't have, it's nice to see a show that doesn't have a whole lot of time, you know? Like, 10, 10 to 11 minutes is not a lot of fucking time to tell your story in. Um, and the, the confidence in the level of your storytelling to be able to be like, yeah, and the last minute of our 10 minute story, one tenth of our story is going to be like this quiet introspective scene. I mean, it goes back to what I remember an interview with uh, Hayao Miyazaki about like the importance of having stillness mm-hmm. in your stories and like that is an important moment of stillness 
in that particular episode that was frankly frenetic otherwise. Like there was very little downtime in that particular episode and as far as like the characters constantly doing things. Right, in in, in the ability to, like especially for a Western animation studio, the, the, the having the knowledge of being like, and now we need to let people breathe for a second. And really, mm-hmm. like, soak in this moment uh, is, like, I mean, it comes back to, like, you let things breathe because you know that they can stand there on their own. You know, you've mm-hmm. got to have confidence in this thing that you're doing to be able to, like, make that thing happen. Yeah. Um, and so overall, very good. Yeah, it's, oh my gosh. This team... This team pretty consistently knocks it out of the park. Oh, apparently there's a direct reference to stuff that happens in this episode in Marble Madness, so we'll need to keep an eye out for that next episode. Okay. Yeah, so. Because uh, cool. apparently the shooting star thing does happen. Like, they are successful in blowing up the galaxy warp. Because I guess Peridot mentions it. So okay, <laughs> the gems are so scared they just blew up the galaxy warp. That's fine. This is fine. That's perfectly normal behavior. Yeah, they're just having a normal one. Yeah. <laughs> um. The. Let's see. All right. Do we have anything else about winter forecast? I can't think of anything. Okay. Well, let's do some questionos. Uh, we have a few questions this week. Let me click all these here. Fucking spoil tags. Um, Danielle asks, how many Amagara fault jokes references can you make in the span of a two hour episode? <laughs> I feel like we even surpassed that. <laughs> We are going to be making him for a while now. It's true. Every time we come back to the kindergarten, we've got to play Find Your Hole or Fill Your Hole. Is that why I called it? I can't remember why I named the game. You called it Fill Your, fill hole. your hole. Yes. Um, play along at home. Like circle uh, the screenshot of the kindergarten from the Wikipedia. Show us where your hole is. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um. Let's see. Uh, Elijah asks us for horror club. Uh, I wonder if this might be the first instance of Steven using like his super mind link imp- empathy powers. Uh, there's no way he could have gotten all of that from the, the from just the gym haunting. Right. And I agree with Elijah, though. It's interesting that you not knowing that Steven has those powers like later on in the series. Um, just thought like, oh, yeah, Steven, he's just empathetic. He, he knows how to do this thing. Yeah, I just... For me, it was just like, oh, this is just Steven being Steven, I guess. So, I mean, like, it's one of those things where... I guess my answer would be that, like, I almost wonder if he isn't low-key using empathy powers all the time. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I wonder how... How much... Like, there's definitely big peaks of him using it but that's a good point that might be something to like keep in mind and like keep thinking of as we watch the show as it goes on because i didn't think about that steven might be using his powers way more often than what we think he is 
Yeah. Um, also, Elijah asks uh, if we watch the end credits, and if so, uh, that the the music changes in the end credits. And what's interesting is that the end credits music, for the most part, continues to be just riffs on the like chord progression of Love Like You, which is the regular ending theme. Um, but it is, especially for Winter Forecast, it's right, like, it's very different. It's still Love Like You, like, it's the same chord progression, but it's different, uh, for sure. And it's interesting that they changed that up. I think it, it's, it's like the, like, I like that occasionally, not all the time, but occasionally they'll just, like, uh, change, like, the, you know, the, the splash title screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I liked the one for Winter Forecast. I thought it was very cute. Yeah, it was super duper cute. Uh, it helped also transition out because if it had been that like more bombastic jazzy thing that they've been using as of late, uh, yeah, it definitely would not have fit. Um, all right, Philo has some questions uh, about on the run. Uh, so Pearl says that she never wanted Stephen to know about the kindergarten. Do you think that that's uh, a protecting him thing or more of a burying the gym's history vibe? Uh, also, Pearl actually apologizes to Amethyst for something. Progress. Yes, that's all. We we probably should give some props to yeah. Pearl for for she is making progress. Yeah, I was about to start saying congratulations, 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 congratulations. Yeah, I think we kind of covered that. Yeah, I, I, I feel like it's part, I think it's like a small, like 20% Pearl thinking Steven's not ready for that information and 80% shame. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. From Pearl. Uh, maybe not yeah. necessarily from Garnet, but definitely from Pearl. Because I feel like Pearl, especially given her history that we will find out about in her more direct connection to like the series, like the systems of power in, uh, in, in the diamond authority probably has much more guilt about what happened to the, to the earth than most other folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Philo asks us about winter forecast. Greg looks great in this episode. Can we get a Greg outfit ranking? Yes, we fucking can. <laughs> All right. Top of the top of the list. Obviously it's that, uh, it's the, I feel like, top of the list i think it's that second sweater the one after the uh turtleneck i think that objectively you're right but subjectively in my heart cherries is the number one that's fair how about 1a 1b i also like cherries um where are we gonna put the elvis outfit i think that's number two like honestly i feel like like that looked good on his character model like he it, it was very silly but it looked cute it did, yeah. like uh it makes sense that he would wear that um yeah we're not i'm not gonna count any of the outfits in this episode that don't fit greg properly um yeah obviously you know yeah if you're not going for that look it's kind of a weird look i understand i'm not wanting to, to wear those um the turtleneck I feel like the turtleneck's four, and then Greg's regular look is above turtleneck. I don't like turtleneck, Greg. Yeah. No, I it's agree. It's just not Greg. Um, oh. And then, 
bonus because I didn't realize Philo was just talking about this in relation to the uh, episode specifically. I also still love Greg's golf pants that uh, Stephen convinced Garnet to wear. It's pretty. That's a very solid episode. They're very solid. Uh, we should write this down somewhere because if Greg gets more outfits as the series goes along, we should just turn this into a bit. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um. Uh. But yeah, uh, Greg. Greg. Uh, also, we get young Greg relatively soon. Like, so that's a good look. Um, so that'll be fun. Uh, uh, Philo says, it's really cool that the gyms are, uh, keeping stuff from Steven again, trying to blow up the galaxy warp. Uh, it doesn't seem to work if they try in the prime timeline, because then we see the galaxy warp again. I wonder if, uh... Do we see the galaxy warp again? Because it says here in the wiki... That Paradox says that they blow up the galaxy warp. So I don't know if we actually do see it again. I mean, I guess we'll see if we see it. Yeah. That's something to keep in mind, because, like, the Wikipedia says that they were successful, and then, obviously, like, Paradox has a line, otherwise it wouldn't say that. Uh, but we'll keep it in mind, we'll see it, we'll see if we see it again. Maybe we see it way later in the series? Mm-hmm. No, they don't warp directly back to Homeworld. Yeah, because they never... I don't know. I don't know if we do see it again. I know we never use it. Like, the galaxy warp, like, the Homeworld warp is never used. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're right. Um, so. So that's fun. Thank you. We'll, we'll keep an eye out that for that, Philo. Thank you for, for proposing this. Um, Greg Outfit Watch also being added to the repertoire of shit that we'll do. Jesus. Um, all right. Do we have anything else? Any other comments you want to make? I I got nothing. All righty. So next episode, we will be covering episodes 43, 44, and 45 Maximum Capacity, Marble Madness, and Rose's Scabbard. Get your fucking drama hats on. Face shields are fully in in place. uh, Because shit's going to hit real heavy uh, next time. Um, And then we only have three more recordings till the end of season one. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. So just to give you guys a heads up, we're going to next episode, we're going to do... Maximum Capacity, Marble Madness, and Rose's Scabbard. Then the episode after that we'll be doing, we theoretically should have a guest, we'll be doing Open Book, Shirt Club, Story for Steven. Um, And then after that we're going to be doing four episodes instead of our usual three. We're going to be doing the last four episodes of Season 1, The Message, Political Power, The Return, and Jailbreak. Um, So, should be a good time. Uh, be prepared. And then after that, we're going to be watching Obsidian. So get your fucking, get your fucking boots on. All righty. Hell yeah. Um, without further ado, I think, is it my turn? I think it's your turn. I think it's my turn. So please remember to be like Cookie Cat and leave your family behind. Peace. Peace.